your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, August 4th, 2021. Your boy Q here, as always, and I laugh when I say what the date is because it's so unbelievable, in my mind at least, that it's already August 4th. I mean, these days are flying by. Sooner than you know it, we'll be talking about Monday Night Football. We'll talk about the Baltimore Ravens in Allegiant Stadium to start off the 2021 season. That is right around the corner. I mean, we went through the whole offseason where we thought it was going to take forever to get to, you know, the uh, start of the the, the training camp and start of uh, guys in pads and all that good stuff. And now here we are. You know, we just witnessed a, a padded practice. We witnessed uh, six days of training camp. I mean, man, these times just fly by. So very excited about uh, what's coming up right around the corner, which is that season opener. Again, uh, September 13th, Allegiant Stadium. The Baltimore Ravens visit Las Vegas to take on the Raiders week one. Monday Night Football, everyone, all eyes will be on them. Very excited about what is coming up with that. But before we get there, of course, we got to talk about, well, everything that's going on with the silver and black. So that's what we're here to do on today's show. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Got a lot of texts, a lot of calls. Won't be able to get to them all on today's show, but I'll get to as many as possible. Segment number two, I talked on Tuesday about padded practice and players I was excited to, to see during the pads while the pads were on and I had four guys that I really were paying attention to. Well, when we got to practice on uh, on Tuesday, realized that it wasn't full pads. It was just shells. So that was a little bit disappointing. It was great that we were indoors to begin with. The practice started indoors in the facility and then, boom, went outside into the heat. It was alumni day, so there was a lot of uh, former players there as well. Thought that was really cool. Saw Donald Penn, saw Jim Otto, saw multiple former Raiders there uh, observing practice. But uh, it wasn't full pads. But there was one guy that I really want to talk about. So I'm going to talk about this one guy in particular in segment number two that I think hasn't been talked about enough but could end up being an X-factor for the Raiders this upcoming season. And I say X-factor, but, I mean, his expectations uh, for himself, and I know that the team's expectations for him are are really high. So he's a guy that they look at and say, yeah, he's a player for us, but probably a guy that we haven't talked about enough. So I'm going to talk about him in segment number two and and tell you what I've seen from him and, and what maybe moving forward he can be for the Raiders. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day as I always do so let's go ahead and jump right into it off top the Raiders have another guy who decided to retire the Raiders place tackle Sam Young on the reserve retired list uh, they announced that on Tuesday uh, Sam Young of course he's a 12-year guy uh, came out of Notre Dame he was a guy that played with the Raiders last year in 2020 he was a guy who was banged up quite a bit and uh, really wasn't able to back up Trent Brown as much as Raider Nation and, and even the team expected him to but he was still there and as I look at it and I talked about it on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Tuesday hey yeah he wasn't a available all the time, but he's still part of that rotation. He's still part of that offensive line depth that the team looked to have, and now he's retired. So if you're keeping count, that's three Raider players that have retired in the past week. Running back Theo Riddick, he came down with COVID-19. Boom, 10-year vet, he decides to retire. Uh, linebacker James, and I'm going to say his name wrong, his last name, 
on Wualu. Uh, he, I don't know even how long he's been in the league, but he decided to retire. And then on Tuesday, offensive tackle Sam Young. And now that goes along with running back coach Kirby Wilson, who decided to retire. President Mark Bedane, who also stepped down and retired. I mean, so there's a trend. There's a trend going on with the silver and black. A lot of folks are retiring. A lot of folks are leaving the team. And so, of course, that's led a lot of questions. Why? Why and why? Been hit up multiple times on Twitter. A lot of folks hit me up. Q, what's going on? Why are all these people retiring? Uh, Theo Riddick, uh, the running back, I'll tell you right now, and Josh Jacobs said it the other day, he was thinking about retirement before the season ever started. He was thinking about it last year, and John Green was able to keep him in the mix and, and hold on to him. And then once he went, you know, got, came down with COVID-19, he decided, boom, done. Ten years in the league, I'm done. Uh, James Onwualu, uh, I, I don't know why he retired. He just retired. And Sam Young, he's been in the league 12 years. Sometimes that grind just wears on you. And I'm not trying to make an excuse because I'll tell you straight up, I don't know. I don't know the reason why these guys have decided to retire. I saw some speculation on Twitter, and I'm not the speculation guy, but there's been uh, multiple people out there saying, oh, the players that are retiring are the guys that refuse to get vaccinated. I'm not going to co-sign that because I don't know that. I haven't been told that, I haven't seen that, and I haven't heard that, so I'm not saying that. But that's one of the reasons why that's being put out on Twitter, that these players are retiring. Uh, Kirby Wilson, if you listen to Josh Jacobs and his uh, media session that he had on Saturday, it did not sound like anything that had to do with the organization. It sounded like something that was going on with Kirby Wilson and his family. Josh Jacobs made it perfectly clear. He said, hey, Kirby talked to me. He still misses us. He hit up the the running backs. We're like, how are you guys doing? But... Uh, he had to do what he had to do for his family, and he hopes the best for his family. That was one of his actual quotes. Matter of fact, I could play the quote for you, and it sounds like it has something to do with Kirby Wilson's family, and you've got to respect that. If you can't respect that, if you think, oh, well, the Raiders are a dumpster fire, and that's why everyone's leaving, then when it comes to Kirby Wilson, I don't think that that's the case. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and play it. Here's Josh Jacobs talking about the retirement of Kirby Wilson, the running back coach. Yeah, so so Kirby had, had talked to me a couple of weeks before he had made the decision. Uh, a few times before he had made the decision. And I mean, I understood why he made the decision. It's really kind of more personal than anything. So I'm not going to speak on his personal business, but I understand why he made it. He texted us, he texted all the running backs this morning and was like, man, how's it going? Things like that. So I know he missed it out here. Um, but man, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for his family and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's, no lo- it's no love lost for me. So there's running back Josh Jacobs talking about former running back coach Kirby Wilson, who retired a few weeks ago now. And again, you, you can listen to that. I know I've played that before on the podcast, but clearly that has to do with Kirby Wilson and his family. That has nothing to do with the organization. Now, as far as Mark Bedane goes, uh, you know, it still remained to be seen what he's going to do. Uh, I don't know what it is, but he's got something I feel in the pressure cooker that he's going to, you know, turn his attention to. Now, I will say this, and this may be a little bit of alarm, but it might not be. This may just have to do with President Mark Bedane as well, or former President Mark Bedane, but it's been reported that Raiders Vice President of Strategy and Business Development, Brandon Dahl, he has left the team as well. And this comes from uh, Ben Fisher of Sports Business Journal. Apparently, Dahl left the team last week, and really nobody knew about it. Dahl declined to comment on the reason for the move. He spent eight years with the team, uh, with his first position being finance intern. Dahl served as Bedane's right-hand man during the stadium effort that began with a failed attempt to get a stadium built in Oakland and ended with a new stadium in Las Vegas. Peter King, the great Peter King, as a matter of fact, from uh, Football Morning America, uh, he wrote that no one in the team is saying why Bedane left. He did say there's a lots of theories on why he left, but there was nothing concrete. And so uh, there's no reason to really report a bunch of theories 
because I can come up with a theory. You can come up with a theory. Everyone could come up with a theory. But Dahl is out. Brandon Dahl, guy who was the right-hand man to Mark Bedane. And I don't think that should be a big shock. If Mark Bedane has gone and this is his right-hand man, and if he's got something in the pressure cooker, like I believe, and I guess that's my theory, <laughs> you know, as I'm talking about theories, uh, if, that's, if that's what's going on, then they're probably working on something together. You know, that's just my opinion. But there has been a mass exodus. Players retire. Uh, coaches or uh, front office guys retire, move on. Uh, they've all done that. And I'll say this. So the only thing that I think is a saving grace is that they're doing it in August. They're doing it in late July instead of doing it in September, October, November, December, when the games are on, when uh, the team is out there competing to win games and try to compete in the AFC West and try to find their way to get to the playoffs. Don't need any kind of distractions. Get that stuff out of the way right now. If you're not 100% locked in on the season, if you don't think that, hey, this is for you, maybe I shouldn't go ahead and compete. Pete, I mean, I'd much rather a player retire right now than make the 53-man roster, then all of a sudden retire, and then the team's stuck scrambling looking for a guy. I'd much rather them just say, you know what? I've been in the league 10 years. I've been in the league 12 years. I'm good. You know, <laughs> this is not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm satisfied with my career, and I'm ready to move on. I'd much rather them do it right now than do that week four of the regular season, especially when they might be needed. That's, I mean, it's just a simple as that so I'm okay with that it does look like you know at least from the outside looking in it looks like whoa what the hell's going on uh until we actually see some smoke coming out of that facility in Henderson I'm not going to worry about fire I'm really not but the, I mean the minute there's there's smoke coming out of the building then okay maybe there's something to talk about but right now I just kind of feel like hey everyone's getting together and doing what they got to do make it happen I think Bedane and uh and Dahl are kind of a package deal uh sometimes that happens you know when you get a new boss somewhere or a guy leaves then all of a sudden he brings his people you know and it feels like Bedane uh in in particular is going to end up doing something pretty big somewhere and he's bringing his people along Dahl Kirby Wilson sounds like that was a family issue why he left uh I've mentioned uh, Theo Riddick already. I mean, he got COVID-19. He was already on the edge of, of retirement, so he did. Sam Young, been in the league 12 years. The guy was banged up quite a bit in 2020. Maybe he doesn't want to go through it again. I mean, I saw him on practice at practice on Monday, didn't see him on Tuesday, and then boom, later on in the afternoon, we find out he retires. And then the linebacker that retired, I mean, it was a guy that probably wasn't going to make the 53-man roster anyway. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm being blind to the situation. I, I just think that it is what it is at this point. Until we get some concrete details, I, th I just think that we got to roll with it and, uh, you know, trust that everything is on the up and up. Now, before I close out segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day, I did want to pass along a couple sound bites from Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk. She's a Hall of Famer. Uh, she's really, really great at what she does, covers the NFL like a glove, and she's on the Hall of Fame committee, and she helps get guys into the Hall of Fame, including Coach Tom Flores, including Charles Woodson. She was on my radio show on Tuesday, Unnecessary Roughness, on Raider Nation Radio 920, and talked about a lot of things uh, NFL-related, and then all of a sudden got into the conversation about the Hall of Fame and Coach Flores going in and it's been a long time you know he should have been in a long time ago but uh, I asked her straight up you know hey what are your thoughts when you hear Coach Flores going into the Hall of Fame yeah you know I'm I'm on a lot of those committees that that we've had to elect these guys and it took longer than it should have for someone of his stature with his resume to go in but as you said it just gets to be a law gym and for coaches for so long, we didn't have a coach's category, and a lot of them didn't want it that way. They wanted to go in on the modern era ballot. Well, you know, it, realistically, if you're voting, deciding between a player and a coach, you're going to pick the player over the coach all, almost always. You know, there were some exceptions. Of course, Bill Parcells 
being perhaps the most recent one that went in on the, on the modern ballot. But now that they've got this coaching category in here, and then we had obviously the centennial class, I think it's much better for these coaches, and we're going to see a lot more of them go in, and I think they deserve to go in. Uh, a bunch of them deserve to go in who aren't in there, but he's one who kind of stands out uh, for what he did in, in his Super Bowl victories and everything else, and, and just setting a path uh, for other minorities um, that this can be done and you can be successful. And so he kind of it set that path uh, for others to follow. And, and they did and they have. And, and uh, he was very successful at what he did with the Raiders. And I think he deserves to go in. And it's nice that Raiders Nation will be able to celebrate that in the coming days. So there's Serene Williams right there talking about Coach Tom Flores going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And of course, whenever you talk Hall of Fame and you're, you're a Raider fan, you always talk about the fact that Cliff Branch is not in. And so it's funny, I was talking to Shereen about the Hall of Fame, and she, without me asking, brought up Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch, I think, eventually will get in. You know, I, he should be in. That's, that's a name I know Raiders fans want into the Hall of Fame, and I think at some point he'll go in there now that Harold Carmichael and Drew Pearson are in there. I think Cliff Branch certainly deserves uh, to go in. Second team all decade back then, Drew Pearson was first team, and Harold Carmichael wasn't on either team. So I, I think Cliff will be on there one day too, and it's just unfortunate that it's taken so long for, for some of these guys to have to wait before they go in. So there's another Hall of Fame voter. There's another one that's a presenter. Shereen Williams right there saying that Cliff Branch should be in. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, he always says the same thing. Cliff Branch should be in, and uh, at some point he's going to get in. And I, I know Raider Nation, I know myself, will be excited when Cliff gets in. But that was Shereen Will Williams. She works for Pro Football Talk right now on Twitter. Shereen Williams, she does a great job covering the NFL. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, uh, Derek Carr and select players will be meeting with the media following practice this morning at the uh, Henderson facility. Looking forward to that. And matter of fact, when we talk to Derek Carr, I'm going to ask him about the player that I'm going to talk about in segment number two. That's coming up next. But before we get to that, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sporting action. Baseball season, I am locked in. Everything that's going on with baseball, I am locked in right now because it's going to be a race to the finish. Now that all the trades are done, you can see the teams that are real deal teams and teams that are pretenders. They're separating themselves right now. So before the next pitch, the next home run, the next strikeout, or the next complete game, uh, head on over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Get off the sidelines. Get into the game. Again, head to the website on the mobile device or your laptop. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit how do you do that you got to use the promo code locked on that's betonline.ag promo code locked on betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts segment number two it's on the way your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about a player that, you know, I'm really kind of on the lookout for. And it's funny because I talked about four different guys on Tuesday that I was interested in seeing because of padded practice. I just want to see how they reacted and what they look like. And this player that I'm going to talk about right now is not any of those four. And the reason I'm going to talk about this player is from what I saw on Tuesday. Now, as I mentioned in segment number one, they weren't in full pads. 
They were in shells, and that was it. So they're kind of ramping up to full pads. That's fine. Whatever you, you want to say, it is all good. Uh, it's funny. We talk about Henry Ruggs a lot and, and the, the lack of production in year one and how he needs to produce. And, man, Raider Nation, uh, it's so funny. I, I tweeted out uh, Derek Carr threw a deep ball to Henry Ruggs, and he just did a heck of a job making the catch. It was a perfect pass, perfect route. It was a deep ball. It was a touchdown. You know, and so I tweeted that out. And I got hit with so many comments of, well, we know he's fast. Well, we know he could run the deep ball. Well, we know he could do this. It was so much negativity. It's like, okay, you want to hear what's going on in training camp. So then when someone puts out what's going on in training camp, it's like you hit with every negative comment that, that you could think of. Well, I don't want to. I don't care about him going deep. Q. I want to hear about him running crossing patterns. I want to hear him uh, getting bubble screens, and I want to hear him doing this, that, and the other. And I'm like, geez, don't kill the messenger. I'm just letting you know it was a nice play that happened, and Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs connected a couple times. I thought it was great, you know, especially when we've talked so much about Henry Ruggs and the fact that he didn't produce a whole lot his rookie year, and that that's got to be a lot better. But that's still not even the guy that I want to talk about here at segment number two. It's not. He is an offensive player, but it's not Henry Ruggs. It's another wide receiver. It's Brian Edwards. And Brian Edwards, not because I'm dismissing Henry Ruggs by no means at all, but I've talked about Brian Edwards. I've talked about his size. I've talked about that he's fast enough, and I've talked about his hands. And I'll tell you, what I saw on Tuesday, and I saw Derek Carr go to him, and, uh, you know, of course you can't learn a whole lot from everything that you're seeing early in training camp because, again, you're, you're playing against your own guys. You know, you're not tackling to the ground. You're not trying to hurt anybody. You're not trying to, you know, put a big monster hit on anybody. But I'll tell you, man, just Brian Edwards' size – he looks like he could be such a difference maker. And, you know, of course, in the offseason, there was a lot of conversation if the Raiders should go after Julio Jones. I got on the train late and said, you know what? They should go make that move for Julio Jones. Could you imagine Julio Jones and Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs? Like, that was part of the conversation that we had. But I'll tell you this, and I know that Brian Edwards is not Julio Jones. Julio Jones is a guy who's going to go into the Hall of Fame. But... Man, Brian Edwards has all the tools. The other day when uh, NFL Network was at Raiders training camp, that was on Saturday. I know John Gruden met with the the guys there from NFL Network, and he kind of compared Brian Edwards to Terrell Owens. I'm not ready to do that yet because T.O. has got a gold jacket, so I don't think that that's fair to to Brian Edwards to go ahead and and put that kind of uh, comparison on him. But he's got the size, and he's got you know the speed, and he's got the hands of a T.O. So I get where John Gruden was going with that. But if he could be a player... And, you know, he went, there was a play, Derek Carr threw the ball, it was a 50-50 ball. And, you know, in 2020, Derek Carr didn't throw a bunch of 50-50 balls, but he threw that up there to Brian Edwards, and he went up there with those big vice grips, man, and he met, he high-pointed that ball and brought it down. And then when he hit the ground, the ball popped out, and he was upset. He was so mad, and that's really what stood out to me. Not the fact that he went up and high-pointed it. Not the fact that it hit him in his hands and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he had an opportunity to make the play. It was his reaction afterwards which told me he expects to make those plays. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what I took away from that. Not that, oh, that was a good try or a good effort. Oh, he'll get him next time. But he expects that that 50-50 ball should be his every time. And he's got the mitts to do that. He's got those big old hands where he can go up and get that. Like when the Arizona Cardinals, they beat the Buffalo Bills in 2020, it was the Hail Murray is what they're calling it. Kyler Murray rolling out and he just throws it up there and, and DeAndre Hopkins with his big old hands goes up there and grabs it. I think Brian Edwards has the opportunity to do things like that. I'm not saying he's D-Hop either. D-Hop is one of the best wide receivers in the league. But, man, if Brian Edwards can start to get some of those 50-50 balls, the Raiders could start taking chances. 
I think Henry Ruggs is good at the 50-50 ball as well. He's got a lot of uh, jumping ability, so he can kind of leap out the gym. I think he has that opportunity as well, but I'm not even paying attention to him. I'm looking at the size and the violent running that uh, that uh, Brian Edwards you know displays when he's got the ball in his hands, and I'll go back to 2016, and one of the biggest factors on offense for the Raiders was Michael Crabtree, a.k.a. Michael Grabtree. Remember when everyone was calling him Grabtree? You know why? Because he caught everything. And the biggest thing with Brian Edwards, if he could be similar to Crabtree, then the Raiders are cooking with grease. They got them a real deal opportunity at that wide receiver position to have an X factor, a guy who could be all over the field, play all over the field, and really kind of show out for the the silver and black. And, you know, to take it a step further, the biggest question mark I have with Brian Edwards is always going to be, I think it's the reason why he dropped to the third round in the draft, is just the health. Can he stay healthy? He was a stud in high school. He was a stud in college. And he could potentially be a stud in the NFL, but it's got to come down to health. If this dude can make sure that he's a healthy cat, he could be a real deal player for the silver and black. He could be the reason why the Raiders didn't entertain Julio Jones. He could be the reason they didn't go out there and make another move because they saw and they knew what they had and thought, okay, this could be a player. Now, I'll tell you, it's early in training camp. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I know a lot of Raider Nation is like, yeah, but we you know we've heard the hype every single year. This player is showing out. That player is showing out. This player is going to be great in the regular season, and then they don't do anything. I get it. I am absolutely from the, the category of show me. You know, don't just tell me, but show me. And I can say this as well, from being there at the facility and watching and seeing and, and, and seeing the intensity and the way that this dude is working I realize what his potential is, but potential only takes you so far. You've got to perform. You've got to get it done. So I totally understand if anyone says, yeah, I'll just wait before I sign up for that one. As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to takeaways, and and this is the the beauty of me being there at the facility, I'm not just going off of what, you know, Vinny Bonsignor or Vic Tafer or Tashawn Reed or any of them cats are saying. I'm going off of what I see. So I, I feel comfortable coming back and talking about it on on the podcast or even on the radio saying, hey, this guy is a dude who stood out to me. I know I was looking at Alex Leatherwood. I was looking at Malcolm Kuntz. (laughs) I was looking at at, uh, Clee Furl, and I was looking at Damon Arnett. But the guy that stood out to me as I'm looking at all those guys was Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards showed that he could be a factor. Now, Henry Ruggs, as I mentioned, did some really good things. I tweeted that out. It got a ton of likes, ton of retweets. And, you know, and it was just a, a perfectly placed ball from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. And I think that that was great. And I'm, I'm glad to see them trying to get on the same page early in training camp because maybe that will boil over into the regular season. But do not sleep. Please, Raider Nation, do not sleep on Brian Edwards. He could be a really good player as long as he stays healthy. He's got the traits. It's all there. I think he could put it together. And the way he was angry, the way it, it kind of – in my mind, it played as, and I've said this before on the podcast, guys that get more upset at losing than they do winning. You know, guys that hate to lose more than they like to win. That was the attitude that I saw from Brian Edwards when he let that ball get out of his hands when he hit the ground. It was almost like he lost the game and he hates losing more than he loves to win. Those are the guys that I want to go to bat for. Those are the guys that I want to go to war with. I think Brian Edwards has an opportunity to be that guy. Now, as pads you know, get put on fully 
And as the scrimmage with the Rams go on, and as preseason goes on, we'll learn more and more, not only about Brian Edwards, but the whole team. We'll learn the the makeup of this team. And of course, it's going to take a few weeks into the season before you really understand who this team is, what they're made up of, and what kind of potential they they have, what kind of run they could potentially go on. But I'll tell you, from from, uh, where I'm standing and what I'm looking at, number 89 is a guy to pay attention to, and that is one Brian Edwards. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, talking about a player that, you know, really stood out to me from practice and a guy who who caught my attention and said, Q, don't get caught slipping, man. You better pay attention to this guy. Note it now because he could end up being a big-time factor. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got for you. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. That is the number. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar and all the great flavors that they have right now. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, German Chocolate, Cookies and Cream, Orange, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, and Mint Brownie. And according to my guy, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com, who I do Lockdown Bets with, he says, as he toured the, the Built Bar facility uh, earlier in the week, he said that they have a brand new flavor that he tested and tried. They got that coming out on Thursday. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. He didn't tell me what flavor it is. He said there's a brand new flavor coming out on Thursday. So that's something to pay attention to. And they do have limited time flavors uh, every once in a while. Matter of fact, like at least once a week, right? The last, the last one that they had was Grasshopper Cookie. If you're a big Thin Mint Cookie fan, uh, that's what that Grasshopper Cookie built bar tastes like. Their official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which I think is cool as the Olympics are going on right now. But uh, bottom line, great taste of protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar, but it's a protein bar, so it's good for you. You want to get a box right now, go ahead and get a mixed box. You'll get two of each flavor that I mentioned to you already, and uh, you can get 15% off if you use the promo code LOCK15. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15 will save you 15% off your order. Again, at BuiltBar.com. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Let's go ahead and get right into it. A text from Big Drew. Say, what up, Q? Big Drew here. Wanted to ask, what are your predictions for Ruggs' yards this year and what would be a hot take you'd put out on one of our players this year? Ruggs hitting 1,000 yards is a pretty bold statement, but I think an even bolder statement is Merrick winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. If you know him, you know he's a smart player coming out of TCU. I truly think that Gus Bradley in this scheme is perfect for him. He should have a lot of interceptions and chances to make big plays, so that's what I'm going with. Anyway, just want to hear your early predictions. That's from Big Drew. Thank you so much for the text, my man. And yeah, Ruggs hitting 1,000 yards, that is a huge statement. I don't think it's impossible, but it's a huge statement. And the reason I say it's a huge statement is because there's a lot of weapons. Waller, you got to feel pretty comfortable that as long as he stays healthy, he'll get 1,000 yards. You also realize that there's Brian Edwards, who I talked about in segment two. Ruggs is there. Hunter Renfro is there. Uh, Josh Jacobs is going to do work out of the backfield. He's going to catch some balls. Kenyon Drake, I think he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. So it's really going to be spread around. There may only be one guy that receives for 1,000 yards, and that would I'd put my money on Darren Waller. Now, as far as Trayvon Merrick winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, I've said that multiple times that I feel like he's going to win that. I really do believe that, and I think that every reason that you mentioned, this guy could be the Earl Thomas of this Gus Bradley defense, and I know Earl Thomas at his peak was a hell of a, a, a safety, so it's, it's, a, it's a big name to put on Merrick, but 
Uh, Merritt could be that guy. And what I saw from him at TCU showed exactly what you said. He could be that ball hawking safety that the Raiders haven't had in a long time. Jonathan Abram is going to slide into the box and play where he's more comfortable. And Merrick is going to be able to roam that, that center field, roam that back end, and be that eraser. Uh, where if guys make mistakes, he can hopefully be there to clean it up. And again, it's early in training camp, but from what I've seen from him, he looks like that he's understanding and picking up the defense pretty well. And the Raiders are going to ask a lot from him. Is he going to make mistakes? Absolutely. He's going to make some rookie mistakes. And I've already seen Ron Miles, the defensive uh, the defensive backs coach, say, hey, 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 come here, Rook. Here, hold on, come here. And then kind of coach him up and teach him. But that's what Ron Miles is really good at, teaching. Not just coaching, but teaching. And there is a difference. He's really good at that, especially with the young guys. He gets them up to speed. And uh, I do believe Trayvon Merrick has the opportunity to do that. So uh, I don't know if it's a hot take because I've said it before. But, uh, yeah, I think Merrick wins the defensive rookie of the year, no doubt about it. Uh, if I have to go with one more, I'll say that uh, that Brian Edwards, who I talked about in segment number two, is going to have seven touchdowns in 2021. So how about that? Seven touchdowns for Brian Edwards. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. Next up is a call from my guy Vader Raider in the 303. He's calling in to talk about when he believes you'll know and understand who this team is, and he gives his reasons why. Here he is, Vader Raider in the 303. What's up, Q? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your boy Vader Raider at the 303. Got some thoughts from the dark side and Raider Nation, hear me out before you before you get on my case and before you start attacking me because, first of all, some of you who know me from this pod and even Q knows me, I'm not an optimist. I'm a, I, I'm a borderline pessimist. I'm mostly a realist. So I'm just going to say this. You're not going to know what to, what's going on with this team, I think, until about week 10. All right, Raider Nation, I, I really think that's kind of, you know, week 10, week 11 is kind of when you're going to know. Because, I mean, the last two years, that's kind of when the bottom has fallen out. Okay? And, I, you know, as much as I, you know, as much as, you know, Q's been very optimistic, and I, I love hearing the optimism in his voice, and I, you know, you know, some of the other guys talking about how they say Derek Carr's different, how he just sounds different, looks different. Okay, look. They need, and Q has told you, they need to do it out on the field. And I'm sorry, Raider Nation, but they don't need to do it against, you know, inferior competition. Okay? They need to go out there. I'm, and I'll make this argument. I will make this argument right now to you, Raider Nation, that they need to win week one. I'm there. I said it. They need to win week one. Okay? They need to show that they are for real. They need to show that. And I'm sorry, but they do. And I'm not going to trust this team. And I've, you know, I've heard a lot of things about, you know, the, the, the try, you know, on the pod about, you know, the optimism. And, and guys, chill out. This team hasn't given you a reason to be optimistic, honestly, since 2016. Okay, and honestly, you know, and and, and I know you guys are going to talk about the defense and the, you know, and I get that. Okay, and I'm sorry, but. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I call them excuses. That's what I call it. Okay? There are excuses for Derek Carr, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to take the cover off the car and start that whole train again because I got in trouble from Q last time. <laughs> you know, but Raider Nation, let's temper our expectations. You know, let's just listen to the pod and have Q update us and, you know, all that. I mean, 
I know a lot of you are going to be optimistic, and I appreciate your optimism. But me, personally, I'm going to wait and see. I'll get back to it in October or November. Anyway, hope you all have a good week. Love you all. Vader Raider, out. There he goes, Vader Raider right there in the 303. Thank you for the call, my man. And you think week 10 or 11 is when you're going to really understand who this team is. And I'll tell you, in a 17-game season, 18 weeks, you better know who this team is a little bit before week 10 or 11. And I don't say that disrespectfully because I understand completely why you say what you say. All the Raider Nation has the right to say, yeah, but I'll wait. Because it's been way too many times, I totally get it, that you know, you've gotten your hopes up, you, you're all of a sudden feeling good about the team, and then, like you mentioned, they go on a collapse. You know, they've done it the last two seasons. So it's up to the team to show you that they're not going to be that team. So I get it. If you're very hesitant, you know, it's something that my mom does all the time. She always thinks that her team's going to lose, so she's not disappointed. You know what I mean? It's just it's one of those like defense mechanisms. I'm just going to assume that my team's going to lose, so when they win, I feel good, and when they lose, well, I expected it anyway. That's kind of what she does. That's what Mama Q does. I get it. So I, when Raider Nation is like, hey, I'm very, uh, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm hearing that there's some good things going on, but I've been down this road before. I don't blame you. Now, I'm here to not be the super negative guy. I'm here to kind of give you a little bit of hope and, and just, like I said, kind of let you see what I'm seeing and, and the way I'm feeling, and I'll tell you straight up, if this, you know, hey, this looks like a very mediocre team, I'd tell you. But it does look like they're starting to come together. Now, I will say this. Every team in the league, I think, especially in the AFC West, has improved this offseason. Even the Broncos, who have questions at quarterback, they still have gotten better just by who they were able to draft. I think Patrick Sertain is a game changer. He's going to be a big-time defensive back for him, and he's going to make life miserable for a guy like Brian Edwards or a guy like Henry Ruggs. Or maybe he's going to be focused on Darren Waller. I mean, I think every team in particular in the AFC West has improved. So, Vader Raider, I don't blame you. I'm not going to come after your neck. I think that, hey, I get it. I understand why you feel the way you do. I'm just here to tell you, from my standpoint, where I'm at, and maybe six, seven weeks into the season, I'll say, yep, Raider Nation, I was wrong. This team stinks. I have no problem coming out and saying that. But as of right now, I feel like that they're trending in the right direction, and I really feel like Gus Bradley and that coaching staff that they have, uh, Ron Milas and Richard Smith, I think that they are really game changers. But again, we'll see. We will see what happens. Thank you so much for that call, my man. I appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from my guy, Raider Corey, in Louisville. He says, hey, Q, it's your boy Raider Corey for Louisville, Kentucky. Two quick questions. Number one, who do you think is going to be the Raiders car thief this season? And is the get-together at Allegiant Stadium in October and 21 an older event? Because I'd like to bring my son, and he's 17. That's from Raider Corey in Louisville. And I'll answer the second question first. No, it's not. 17-year-old son? All good. Feel free to bring them. Please bring them. That'll be a lot of fun, and I encourage you to come on. And uh, Selena and the OC is trying to get everything together, and I definitely appreciate her efforts. Uh, I've already signed myself, the wife, and uh, our daughter up, so we got at least three of us going ourselves. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I definitely encourage uh, you to to bring your son as well and anyone else out there that wants to go and, and have some fun. Make sure you get a hold of Selena in the OC and let her know she needs a headcount ASAP, like yesterday. So make sure you make that happen. As far as your car thief, who's going to be the Raiders car thief this season? That is a really good question. As I look at the roster, I don't really know who has that edge. And the one guy that I think may have that edge, and I've talked about him before on the show, is rookie Nate Hobbs. 
Nate Hobbs, to me, feels like a guy that has that edge to him. He's got a little something-something in his neck. He's got something to prove. He's got that, you know, that uh, that chip on his shoulder because everyone always overlooks him. I could see him being the car thief, but being a damn good car thief. I think Nate Hobbs has the opportunity to be a player. So I guess if I had to pick one guy this year, I'll say that's exactly who I think it's going to be. Nate Hobbs, fifth-round pick. He's going to be the car thief for the Raiders in 2021. So Raider Corey, thank you so much for that. Vader Raider, I appreciate that call before that. And then even before that, we had the text from Big Drew. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we'll have more calls and texts straight off the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. California Dave in West Tennessee. Uh, Rob in the 707. I got a text from Lady Raider 1990. Rahul in Seattle. Reggie Red from Pomona. Uh, Got a lot of feedback, man. Got to get to on tomorrow's show, and we'll definitely do that as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the week, getting closer and closer to the Hall of Fame. I'll be flying out to Canton, Ohio on Thursday evening, and I'll bring you uh, Hall of Fame coverage Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and be back in uh, Las Vegas on a Sunday evening. So uh, thank you so much for all the feedback. Thank you for the support here on the show, and uh, make sure you take care of your family. Love on your family. Do what you got to do. Take care of yourself, and most importantly, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.